Welcome to NVC Life. I'm Rochelle Lamb, veteran NVC trainer and relationship coach, helping listeners navigate interpersonal conflict and ground more deeply into relational living. Greetings, fellow humans. Today I'm going to read a piece that I wrote a few years ago that is every bit as relevant today as it was when I wrote it. Perhaps it'll be more recognizable to people because this was written prior to the pandemic, during a time when I think people were, for the most part, more optimistic about their lives. That's a generalization and a huge one at that, but I think it would be fair to say that people felt a lot more optimistic and there was a different vibration than the one that emerged once the pandemic became a reality. It's called paying attention in troubled times. Let's face it, these are stressful times and the more stress people experience, the less resource they become, especially when faced with difficult challenges. I wrote a piece on social media that received a lot of online engagement recently. And here it is. The anxieties that plague us are, for the most part, a sane response to insane situations and circumstances, but we rarely treat them as such. Instead, we look for fixes to overcome the sense of powerlessness, despair, or anxiety informing our emotional and mental states. We rush out to buy self-help books, we align our chakras, sign up for programs to still the mind or transform ourselves, we take meds, convince ourselves that we're distraught because we must be coming from fear. The assumption is that people who come from love aren't ever agitated or angry or that they never judge. The assumption is that coming from love is commensurate with wisdom. Well, friends, to learn discernment is vital to life itself. It is to have your wits about you. It's the ability to look head on at what is in front of us and recognize what serves life and what doesn't. The challenge of our time is to pay attention, to learn how to employ one's mind, to deprogram it from the regime-colluding indoctrination it has been subjected to, and to become discerning in a manner that will in fact be of service to life, the earth, and those yet to be born. So, if you're feeling sad, agitated, angry, confused, Consider that you're not actually messed up and in need of personal development, but rather you're in need of a sane culture. That's the end of the post. The article continues. An overwhelming number commented on how powerfully these words spoke to them. And perhaps you might call it a relief to consider that your angst doesn't actually come from you, but rather from the world around you and that it derives in large part from manufactured environments that are more hostile than they are kind towards our human souls and bodies. In that sense, we can see that we are not to blame for the afflictions that assault us and how, with that understanding, we might have some compassion for our often poor responses in stressful moments. The more unfortunate news, however, is we're quite limited when it comes to having a significant impact on those external influences. One may not agree with the level of technology in our lives, for instance, but it's difficult to completely cut oneself off from it, let alone put an end to it. And so, as the troubles brew in our midst, 
there's really no place to go to get away from it all. The meditation pillow, the latest happiness program, or the 10-day trip to somewhere warm is short-lived. Whatever coping strategies we adopt, we must nevertheless contend with the ever-growing challenges of living in a fast-paced world that shows no signs of slowing down. One valuable gift we can give ourselves and each other is our way of speaking and listening. It's more important than ever to consider what comes out of our mouths and how it contributes or interferes with our ability to serve life and care for each other. Here, then, is where personal development can come in handy, especially in the context of how we attend to speech and listening. There is great benefit in being willing to bear faithful witness to the heartbreaks in our midst and to be heartbroken by them and speak accordingly. There is great benefit in recognizing that an overwhelming amount of the suffering and challenges that we bear are more collective and cultural than they are personal, even when they register so personally. It's not enough to simply care for oneself these days, at least not if one cares for the world at large. Cultural repair must be part of our personal work if we are going to attend to the whole. May heartbreak find a proper place in how we converse with each other about the realities that plague us. May it not be confused with grievance, blame, despair, or give way to the urge to problem-solve. May heartbreak instead be understood as mature acknowledgement that things have not gone as we would like, and we may have to say goodbye to our dreams of things working out just as we would be called to do when a relationship ends either by death or parting of ways. It really hurts. Leonard Cohen said it well when he wrote, What is the appropriate behavior for a man or a woman in the midst of this world, where each person is clinging to his piece of debris? What's the proper salutation between people as they pass each other in this flood? The point of convergence between our inner and outer worlds is our speech and action. What we say and do is no small thing. We are living in a critical time. This is a time to bring greater awareness to our speech and actions and to grant them the respect and discipline they deserve. May it come to pass that the children living in the world today and those yet to be born will one day speak about us, the adults or grandparents or ancestors in their midst, as people who considered them and their future well-being, and then proceeded accordingly. I ended the piece with the last few lines from a poem that was written by William Stafford, a ritual to read to each other, but I think I will read the entire poem here because it is so, it's such a profoundly beautiful poem and very relevant. If you don't know the kind of person I am, and I don't know the kind of person you are, a pattern that others made may prevail in the world, and following the wrong God home, we may miss our star. For there is many a small betrayal in the mind, a shrug that lets the fragile sequence break, sending with shouts the horrible errors of childhood, storming out to play through the broken dike. And as elephants parade holding each elephant's tail, but if one wanders, the circus won't find the park. I call it cruel, and maybe the root of all cruelty, 
to know what occurs but not recognize the fact. And so I appeal to a voice, to something shadowy, a remote important region in all who talk. Though we could fool each other, we should consider, lest the parade of our mutual life get lost in the dark. For it is important that awake people be awake, or a breaking line may discourage them back to sleep. The signals we give, yes or no, or maybe, should be clear. The darkness around us is deep. I will read those last lines again, which were the ones that I had included in the original piece. They're worth repeating. For it is important that awake people be awake, or a breaking line may discourage them back to sleep. The signals we give, yes or no, or maybe, should be clear. The darkness around us is deep. And so, let's be clear. Let's be discerning. Let's be compassionate. Let's pay attention. I suppose the question is, what is it that we pay attention to? Earlier in that article I had written, to learn discernment is vital to life itself. It is to have your wits about you. It's the ability to look head on at what is in front of us and recognize what serves life and what doesn't. This is not an easy question for us to contemplate in the Western modern consumer world. Not at all. Let's just take, for instance, a vehicle. Now, most people would say they need a vehicle or they need a way to get around. If they don't have a vehicle, they'll be using some other transportation system, um, the bus, which has a lesser footprint, or, or a bicycle, even less of a footprint. Now, the vehicle meets a need mainly for convenience, comfort, uh, status, possibly. But I would say that the need that it most fulfills is the one for ease and convenience. Now we're talking about a human need here, and I'm, I'm hesitant to even use that word that it's a need. I don't think convenience and ease are needs, not at all in this particular context. Now, how does a vehicle serve the world, serve life, serve the non-human world, serve our ecosystem, serve the natural world. It doesn't. It doesn't. In fact, it takes from the natural world in order for us humans to have it. So this is why I say it's not an easy question to entertain because to recognize just how much it takes from other life forms. And that would include humans too, anybody who's working in a factory producing vehicles. I don't know if you would call that a great life. Would you? Would you want to do it? I mean, we could come up with all sorts of justifications for it. But in terms of a good life, I I don't know. And I'm sure there are probably some who do consider it a good life only because the options are are far less attractive than they would be if they had that factory job. So these are the types of questions I think it's really important for us to consider, to really reflect on. And when you reflect on them, the idea here is not to to be full of shame for everything that you have, to feel guilty. It's not productive. There's nothing to be gained from doing that. But to have an awareness 
what I see that that does is it it makes us humble. It can bring about a great deal of what I would call the proper humility so that when we do take action, when we do decide, well, what kind of vehicle do we need a vehicle? Um, what is a good life about anyway? You start to ask a different kind of question when you recognize and include all aspects of life. And that our job here, if you want to consider that as custodians to care for life means we're going to be asking questions about how we choose to live. And I am trying to lay a foundation here for future episodes. Once we eventually come around to the interpersonal, you will see that holding this bigger regard for life actually tempers us and it helps us approach our relationships in a much different way. We can be less rigid, less fixated, more open, more pliable, more connected to all of life, and ultimately more human. Thank you for tuning into NBC Life. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. For free resources or to book a private session with me, head over to rochellelam.com. Until the next time, stay sane, grateful, and generous.